uh, we can just sort of, you know, go along. Cool. Uh, let's see. So how have you been? I mean, this, we, I'll totally edit stuff. You know, I figure we can get, get things rolling to, you know what I mean? Just to get conversation flowing. Uh, okay. How's it been? Pretty busy. So the entire August, I know it feels, it may feel for someone um, sort of like, you know, just, you know, holiday um, kind of season, but definitely not uh, for me. Um, there was actually a ramp up in uh, all of the projects and it's, it's everywhere. You know, there's been quite downtime, um, I would say, spring and you know and, and and winter time but then in summer all of the different projects you know stable coins all of the different liquidity pool projects all the different uh enterprise blockchain projects so everything around blockchain somehow exploded or at least you know i started like spotting it myself and there's been lots of work so um it's good all right I, and uh you say exploded i, I guess i'm curious can you elaborate Yes. So, I mean, uh, the thing is, is that the point is, is that um, people the majority, I would say the community somehow is not differentiating the price of the cryptocurrencies, you know, from the blockchain space itself. So everybody is kind of judging by how blockchain space is, uh, I would say, working or operating based on the prices. So when the price goes down, everybody thinks that, oh, you know, project are being developed. Uh, you know, nothing is actually going. Uh, but that's not the case. Um, so what I actually mean is that the number of releases of, you know, really, really interesting things. So from, you know, the, the DEF CON that was just, uh, you know, recently or from the projects on the Binance chain that were uh, released. So everything around blockchain, I can see, uh, basically, we can see new projects being, you know, uh, released on GitHub like weekly. Uh, and I'm, I'm overall curious about the space. So I try to, um, you know, try to follow as many things as I can and then see whether I can apply, uh, you know, the new methods, whether I can, you know, see something that I can use in my projects. Um, so that's why when I, um, you know, when the, the summer time kind of, you know, started, um, I, I don't know why, but the number of the, you know, the new projects that was released, it, it somehow increased. So uh, again, that's why it's it's something that's completely not connected to you know the Bitcoin rallies or the prices, which is the you know the majority of the community is actually um, kind of again linking those things. Uh, but you know that's how things are. So um, okay, so just just as an aside, uh, your I think maybe your internet internet connection is a little dodgy. Um, in in that I I missed the first maybe five seconds of what oh. you said there. Are you connected wow. to a hard line or is it Wi-Fi or? It, it, it is Wi-Fi, but you know what? Let me, let me change that. Let me see if I can do it. Like right, like right now you're frozen. I don't know if you can hear me. Or... I can hear you, but you for me. So let, hold on, let, um, just a second. Let me you know, switch the connections because I have a couple of them just in case. So let's see if that works. Better. Okay. Sec. Okay, so one sec. Doesn't doesn't want to switch. Yeah, I can see. I can see you're shaking a bit. Um, 
Uh, let me go see if it's mine. Um, I don't think, I mean, I have full reception on my Wi-Fi, but um, let me go do something real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. 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 So let's see okay. if that did anything. Ha uh, okay. Hello? Yep. Test. Test. Well, I can. Um, I can still, you know, hear you clearly, uh, but I'm not sure how. How. How's the video? Is it, is it good? Yeah, it keeps on uh, keeps on cutting out. But maybe we could just do the best we can, and then, you know, uh, okay. yeah, and then just see how that works. Okay. Yeah. Okay, yeah, it's cool. still so the problem is it's not that just the video is is oh, shaky, okay. but it's also the audio that's dropping out. That's that that's weird because uh this is okay. Okay, how about this? That's the last one I have, so I no more no more tricks. Uh -huh. Good, good, bad. So so far it seems okay. Let's let's uh let's see let's see where we're at. So let's see. So Lots of projects being released, it sounds like, in terms of the blockchain. Uh, Anton. Yeah, it's still, it's, it's still doing it. Yeah, let, let me check. Let me check that. Oh, okay. Let me check my Wi-Fi then. One second. One uh -huh. second there. Here's, seems like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're moving. <laughs> Am I moving? Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah. Cool. Okay. So then let's see. Block interesting blockchain projects that have come out right around the summertime, and it kind of makes sense that there would be a lot of blockchain projects happening, right? It just, I guess, now it seems like uh, there have been more that, it, in a surprising way, for you. Um, yes, absolutely. So you know. Um, so obviously, when it was like a huge wave of uh, the ICOs and then the follow-up wave of people just trying to get, you know, the bandwagon there, um, and I'd say it was just happening up until um, sometime mid-2018, and then there was like a downtime, and then when we saw like all of these huge exchanges starting doing the, uh, you know, uh, you know, the STOs, and then they started doing the IEOs, right? So like uh, exchange offerings. And then we start seeing, obviously, you know, people trying to test the water again because everybody needs money, right, to full-scale project. Uh, and then we saw, like, how the, you know, the, the, the older projects, I would say, start falling when they, you know, finally got run of money. Um, so then that's when things got really, really quiet. But then I started seeing that there would be, like, really, really passionate teams um, working on projects without any funding. And they would be, like, bootstrapping or they would have any savings. So they just, you know, do really, really small uh, investor round. So like, you know, whether it be seed or pre-seed, 
And then you can see those projects are actually finally doing, you know, what, what they've delivered, right. Or, uh, you know, sort of delivering what they've, what, what they told about or what they've been telling about or what they actually promised to deliver. So that's, so that's what I believe is actually changing. Um, and it's quite interesting that it, it, uh, you know, the timing kind of aligns throughout different, uh, projects. Why? Because I think, uh, as uh, specifically, because I've been involved uh, a lot with Ethereum chain specifically, I've done uh, quite a few projects and one of my uh, previous uh, big projects, uh, Humanica was really, really tied into the Humanic, uh, into the Ethereum ecosystem. Uh, you, you could see that how people got tired of waiting for Ethereum you know, 2.0 and then how people started asking themselves more questions around whether they actually need it or not. And then you start asking, you know, you just cut out that's how people started finally you just cut out yeah well you just cut out around asking oh okay um so people started asking questions you know whether they still need um you know ethereum 2.0 this long anticipated you know brand new chain and then what are the businesses that have been trying the water right with uh you know with Ethereum, whether they would actually switch ever switch or would try even try it uh, so people started actually working on many cross-chain projects. So would it be, you know, the liquidity? Try to connect the different chains out there. Liquidity, you dropped out at liquidity. So the connection? Yeah, you dropped out at liquidity. Wow. Um, I don't know. Well, sorry about that. I don't know. It's, it seems to be, yeah, perfect. Anyways, um, so, you know, different people like trying to work on uh, on projects that would try to connect the chains. Um, would it be atomic swaps? Would it be, you know, the liquidity pools from different chains? Would it be just basically anything that would try to connect the different chains out there? Um, and that's where I see the majority of the work happening. Um, and it's, it's quite interesting that um, I would say the lead um, as, you know, as a, as a lead investor or as a lead um, you know, big brother out there watching for this projects is actually not, um, you know, not an enterprise alliance or not even a foundation. It's actually an exchange. And, and in this case, it's Binance, which is leading the majority of the rounds for, you know, these kind of new upcoming projects. Uh, and so you, you mentioned Humanique, and that's that's the project you've been working on. And you've you've created your own coin to go into and you've dis, and you've started it in Africa right? To create a marketplace for the unbanked to have at least some sort of banking power where they can do what they need, I suppose, in terms of finance or money. Um, correct. So people always been asking, like, why do you even need, uh, need uh, you know, yet another coin? Um, but then when you started looking into, uh, the, let's say, the distribution of uh, ETH, right, or Bitcoin, you would see that uh, the majority of uh, ETH or Bitcoin wasn't mined in Africa. Uh, so ultimately, the cost of getting, uh, you know, the bitcoins, let's say, in Africa, would be much higher. Uh, in fact, uh, at the end of the 2017, because you remember, you know, like when the prices were at their all-time uh, max. Um, so when, you know, all around the world, uh, people were buying bitcoin for like around nineteen thousand, twenty thousand dollars. Uh, in, you know, in exchanges in countries like Zimbabwe, uh, which suffer from, uh, you know, the hyperinflation, the Bitcoin on local exchanges was worth around $35,000, $40,000. So which is, you know, two times the normal price. And that's ultimately why, because it wasn't, you know, th there's not enough liquidity out there. 
Um, so the, the idea was, is that how can we actually bring in the liquidity, right, without actually going with bags of cash, uh, you know, in all of these countries. Um, so that's, that's why we started working on, uh, on a technical solution, on a cheap one that would be able to scale and that would be able to, um, you know, quickly deploy in, you know, in every different, I would say, um, not just simple geolocation, but also uh, legal framework location. Okay. And how has it been? Um, it's, it's been with, I would say both successes and failures. Um, obviously if the problem exists, um, ever since we remember ourselves and not even, you know, big organizations can solve it, like, you know, World Bank, Visa, uh, MasterCard, you can always argue whether they want to solve it, but ultimately, you know, uh, we wouldn't be even talking about this issue if it wouldn't been a result. Um, so with, um, I would say the old time max, uh, that Humanic has had, we had a bit more than half a million users. Um, so we, we did get like lots of uh, awards. We did like do lots of the things. Uh, but I would say one of the biggest challenges that the project has always had is ultimately trying to be self-sustainable. So, uh, you know, generate enough revenue to um, keep the running uh, and also be um, socially focused. Uh, because ultimately, it's not yet another, uh, you know, banking infrastructure or uh, even, you know, a microfinance or, uh, you know, an alternative financing system. Um, so it's always been hard to find that balance, and we've been experimenting a lot. Uh, so the project is still operating and working, uh, but I would say it's, it's, you know, it's one of those, um, you know, innovative models which others adopted and evolved. And there are now a lot of the different projects that are working in the same sphere. Uh, it's, uh, I, would, I would call it, um, you know, uh, the blockchain for social good projects, because ultimately it's trying to leverage uh, technology for um, something a bit bigger than the revenue. Yeah, uh, to me, that sort of caught my attention immediately. I think one of your articles was uh, for the social good. And then also the marketplace that you talk about where you have the, the, the philosophy behind it, and then also the technical components of it. And one thing that I thought was interesting was horizontally scaling. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, so which, which also again ties um, uh, like or connects to the philosophy that we ha um, are having is um, how can you uh, build a system uh, that would be again cheap uh, and that would be scalable, and that would actually uh, you know work. Uh, so that's that's how we were selecting pretty much every single component on the system. So from uh, again the the settlement engine, right, or the transaction engine. So how do you actually make uh, the transactions between the users, right? So when we're talking about the money or information, so there's been a bunch of uh, you know choices out there. Uh, so we, we went into crypto full node and obviously Ethereum. Um, so as I described earlier, which sounded as the best, um, you know, option at the time. Uh, but ultimately, as we started growing, uh, the Ethereum started growing as, uh, as well, like really, really rapidly. Uh, it was, it was, uh, getting closer to like end of the 2017. And that's ultimately when we started experiencing, uh, well, <laughs> uh, not, not, I would say not the commission problems, but ultimately the unit economics problems. Uh, why? Because uh, when we were launching the system, we even countered that uh, the average, uh, I would say, commission price for the transaction on Ethereum mainnet was around one uh, US dollar cent. Uh, and as we started working and as we started growing and as Ethereum started uh, kind of exploding with activity, the transaction fees went up to like 50 cent, you know, all time high. So that's like 50 times the price that we've, uh, that we've uh, calculated for. Or you know our own chain. Um, so that's that's what one of the good things that EVM um, allows you to is different scaling solutions. 
And uh, one of the things that we went for is uh, sort of a hybrid model. So it's something where you still connect to Ethereum mainnet uh, for the liquidity for your token and then for um, the operations on the outside world from like outside of your ecosystem. And also you are um, able to still maintain uh, a decentralized or uh, decentralized up to an extent uh, network within your reach. Um, so our hybrid solution is ultimately a bunch of um, permission blockchains, uh, which are tied on a software layer. So ultimately it is a software that um, actually controls where the transaction should happen. And if the transaction is happening, you know, should happen between the different blockchains, what's happening in, in those blockchains specifically. So whether you need to burn tokens in one or mint tokens in another one, just to make sure that the overall net balance remains intact. Uh, and, and ultimately it's, it's um, you know, if, if there's one simple sentence to describe the approach that we took is the Pareto's uh, principle. So trying to get 80% of the results, you know, with 10, 20% of effort, uh, because in our case, uh, time and agility were the most uh, critical components of how we can scale fast, uh, especially with all of the race between the different blockchain projects. Uh, and actually, you know, quite high demand from the community of the users, right, that are expecting uh, something new, something uh, You cut out it. You cut out it. Something new. Okay. Um, oh, something new, and it works. And then that, that's it. That was. Got it. Uh, and that's interesting to me. Like the whole thing is kind of interesting to me, especially that you went into Africa, and you're sort of bringing liberation to a certain number of people in a way. I mean, it's. I guess I would imagine that the economies that you're going into are in in a kind of disarray because the, that, which is why the solution is needed. And so like, it reminds me of this story I read actually on Hacker Noon about a Venezuelan who had gotten into cryptocurrency or Bitcoin before it really became a thing. And he was able to escape the tumult that existed in his country. And so it raises the question for me, was, well, if we're going to emancipate these people from their countries, it seems like the countries or the governments wouldn't want that to happen. And then we would get immediate pushback anytime that was threatened in a real way. Um, I think I think that's already happening. I mean, um, just look at the very very recent example. Uh, you know, Libra from Facebook. You can have you know very different attitude towards um, you know Facebook. You can like it, you can hate it because of like what it's doing. But ultimately, they they were the first big like really big organization that tried uh, like a really really um, I would say massive project on scale. And and you can see that different um, different many different governments got afraid really really fast. And you can see how that escalated really fast from announcing, you know, Libra when it's going to, uh, you know, be on board, uh, you know, on board it when things are going to start, and then all of this, uh, you know, first uh, validators, right, of their nodes, uh, you know, are going to participate, and then within weeks, it all like got frozen. Um, so you could you could see that, you know, the state of changes is 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 obviously very frightening. Um, and the reason why it is frightening is because it changes the status quo. Um, and ultimately, I would say um, the biggest task that we have is not even to try to change that status quo, but it is to say, you know, we can change it. And ultimately, it's not one project, uh, I believe. You know, uh, there's this thing, right? So power law distribution. So at any market you would look at, there's going to be like one, two, maximum three companies that dominate the market. And then, the, you know, there's a tail of like everything else. You can look at everywhere around the technology, uh, not even technology, like pretty much any uh, market. Uh, 
and the point here is, is that it could be like, you know, company A or company B, but if somebody starts something, you know, it creates this opportunity for others to join. And the same thing with, uh, you know, the blockchain for social, uh, you know, inclusion or, you know, this entire social impact thing. Uh, you know, we saw an opportunity in this technology and there were like many others that, you know, started their companies. Uh, you could, like, I could name, you know, a bunch of them that, uh, you know, started like after, let's say, Humanique, but they've also achieved like tremendous results. And I would say that it's a, it's a common or, you know, it's a shared win because, uh, you know, the more people get attracted with this idea, the more people try something, um, you know, the better ultimate solution is going to be. You know, it could take a couple of iterations or even a couple of generations of these products, but, you know, there's going to be one solution that will You know, just like in um, jury, you know, Anton, you, you got cut you, off again? Yeah, yeah. You, taught, you cut off around um, generations. There will be a, one, a product okay, okay. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it, it will, there's definitely going to be like, a, you know, a couple of iterations, maybe a couple of even generations of products before we'll get that one product that will actually work and work on a scale. Um, and uh, ultimately, you know, like it or not, but it, it will change. Um, just like a very, very good example that everybody would, uh, you know, it was actually shocking to me. And then, uh, you know, in, in a few countries in Africa that have been, uh, you know, if you would ask people, all right, so where is the post where I can send the postcard? And then they're going to be like, you know, a post, like if you need to send a postcard, send it through like Facebook or WhatsApp, like why do you even need a post? There's a completely different, you know, generation of people that think on a different, you know, on a different level. Because, you know, the time when I was like uh, growing up and I wasn't like, you know, a long while ago, but I remember like, why do you need a post? And then, you know, why it works? And then we we know a very big business that uh, kind of lives off, uh, you know, the post, right? So um, Amazon. Uh, but, you know, there's entire digital generation that would expect completely different level of services. Yeah, it's interesting you bring up the generation gap. I mean, it, it was it was the it was so well exemplified that gap by in the united states when congress was talking to mark zuckerberg right and they just like wow they just didn't know like anything really and it's not that the elders i think in terms of that generation are not wise you know in in terms of making decisions i you know there you could argue corruption and yada yada but i think there's a lot of people who are trying for good uh but it's at the same time they're just not savvy enough to May, I feel make certain decisions around the technology. So it's what do we do about that? How do we do, how do we get do this sort of generational handshake where the youth uh, or the younger generation is listened to in in these terms? And and how do we take a direction? You know, from here, I guess we're kind of doing it. Capitalism seems to be breeding a whole bunch of different products and, and everything, right? But at the same time, you know, I've read places where they, the Bernanke said it should be banned or it will be banned and, you know, all of these things. So it's like, well, we have a fight on our hands as opposed to, well, it could be somehow we could all sort of work together to bring it into a reality. How do we make that reality? How do we make the vision of that reality uh, palatable for an older generation that doesn't get it? Um, I think that's that's a million dollar question, um, and to be honest, I don't know the answer um, to it. Um, you know, um, speaking from my experience, let's say um, so when I when I like when I introduced uh, you know the, the or the concept of crypto um, to my grandparents, 
Um, I obviously had to do like everything from installing, you know, the wallet to their phones and, uh, you know, telling them, all right, so look, see the magic. So I'm going to click a couple of buttons and then you're going to, you know, you're going to get, you know, something what we can call the money because it has value and you can, you know, buy things with it or you can sell it and get, you know, fiat currency or whatever, but it's that simple. You know, you just need to do this, this and this. Um, and the point is, is that um, I'd say everybody who is open to changes, um, everybody, you know, gets it. I mean, the point is, is that remember when people were first hearing about, again, like Google, right? And then it took some time, but now I, I don't know anybody, right? that would not know what like googling means right it, it is it is an official word in, you know in a dictionary so things change uh but how do we do that efficiently and then how we do like do we do that on a mass scale um to be honest like i don't know um what i think is that like these kind of concepts they just have to like be so deeply integrated into like our day-to-day -day technology or like you know our day-to-day -day lives even up to that extent that you know like you would just not be able to not to participate in it. Um, you know, at some point speaking about like ride sharing. Um, so same idea, you know, very simple concept. Like, you know, when you're talking to seniors, like, you know, you guys know what taxis are, you know, you use them a lot. So same idea. The point is, is that, you know, you can just call a car from your phone. And the only difference, it's not like a, you know, dedicated taxi driver. It is actually somebody that is doing it for part-time. Some people do it full-time, but the majority do it part-time. So, you know, um, I would say the concept itself, you know, it's, it's, you know, they can grasp it and they can totally go for it and, and do it. And actually, I've seen a lot of, uh, you know, people, I would say, way more senior than I am. And then they're way more proficient, you know, about the technology than I am. So it's, it's have to, you know, you have to, like, feel it on a day-to-day -day basis. So it seems like the answer is kind of iterate continuously iterate until something something changes you know and, and i mean i guess you could you could wait to, for the clock to run out um um I, yes you're right i would say iteration is you know is, is the mother of changes um ultimately time time is is another good answer right so once again i would say that there could be many answers to these questions and ultimately uh you know once again the million dollar question is how do we do it you know in a fast and efficient way um but you know, I'd say things are things are changing way faster than they used to be. I mean, just uh, the amount of changes we experience every day is is really like tremendous. And we're not even touching. So you know, we're we're covering just one very specific and niche, and it's still a very niche you know concept and you know topic of you know cryptocurrencies, blockchain. But we're not even touching. You know, things are happening in AI or in longevity you know, in health industry, even in construction industry. So there's so many changes, like, you know, on a daily basis. And then I think the more we start talking, you know, about all these different things, the more philosophical you could get in terms of, well, you know, one man wouldn't be able to handle, um, like, all of that information in their head. But, you know, the humanity itself, you know, that's possible. And that's ultimately what's happening. Because, you know, um, I would not be able to, like, let's say, I don't know, uh, assemble a computer myself, right? But I know how to use it. And, you know, if I need my computer to be fixed, you know, I could bring it to somebody who knows how to do that. Um, so another question here would be is that we just, you know, uh, everybody's saying about the overpopulation of the planet, but maybe we actually need to have more people to be involved, you know, in, in all of these aspects. So that could be another answer to the question. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's interesting to me uh, if we look at, like, say, blockchain. So like, it seems like there's this romantic notion around blockchain to, that will supplant 
the fiat currency that we use right now, which is ties into government power and restriction of movement. And I read uh, an article by Dan Jeffries. I don't know if you know that guy. He's on Hacker Noon. He, he was talking about how the government could just come in and basically take everything you want, everything you had, you know, and, and they'd be justified in doing so. Right. But if we were to supplant the money, the, the fiat currency system, it seems like that would remove the power of those structures in a real way. But once we did that, I look at the billions of people on the planet and I realize that, well, not, there are so many more people who don't even know what blockchain really is all about. So if we actually did make that change, how would they, they would be, there would be this immediate gap between the haves and the have nots. That's huge. Just shifted in a different way. Yep. Um, I absolutely agree on that. Um, and that's, that's one of the, um, you know, um, obviously, whenever whenever we talk about blockchain, the very first use case that comes in place, and, and if you look into uh, you know the majority of the white papers, you know called the you know the major ones like Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, you know, you could see that the one of the biggest use cases that they describe is is financial one. So it's it's quite natural that we um, try to like think about that first, um, and in that situation. Um, Anton. Anton. Yeah. Yeah. You cut. You cut out it at in there that situation. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yep. There we go. Can you hear me now? Okay. Yep. Yeah. You cut out in in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. So um. So in that situation, uh, you'd have to look into the figures. Um. So let's say. Um, again, according to the World Bank, it was it was back in 2016, so 2017. But uh, you could you could still feel the power of the numbers. Uh, they're actually um, like close to two billion people on the planet, right? They don't have access to uh, the banking system, so it means that they're not. It, it they're still using cash. The you know they're still you know you know trading with each other. It's just that they're not connecting you know on the global scale. It means that they can send money, you know. On a distance, right, um, and that's just one simple use case. And then, um, you know, if you apply to many different, uh, you know, math um, kind of like models out there, one of the biggest one that blockchain people really refer to, which is the Metcalfe's law, right, that tells you that, uh, you know, the power of the of the ecosystem is quadratically correlated to the number of people like involved in it. And then they really, really um, like to apply to what would happen if we could get those 2 billion people that are right now excluded and just, you know, include them into this like global ecosystem. So what would happen to, uh, you know, what would happen to the economics of each country? What would happen to the economics of those local countries? Uh, Like what would happen to the entire field of the remote jobs? Because there's an entire huge sector of remote jobs that people can do right now, right? With no regards to your location, with no regards to, you know, your physical abilities, there's so many things that you could do, you know, remotely. Um, and then it, you know, to be honest, those like um, those changes, they're frightening. Uh, and, and the reason why is because if you imagine them, you can, you know, you can feel like just like how big they're going to be. Uh, and then that's, you know, that thrilling um, feeling. I think that's, that's something that drives a lot of the enthusiasts, you know, forward. And that's why many people are really, um, they want to be a part of this community because that gives you like a feeling of I'm actually a part of something big, something that is going to change, like not just, you know, 
I don't know how we work with each other or how things work, but it's, you know, it, it will change like ultimately your life, like, you know, once and forever. So just like you told, you know, there's a huge turning point from, you know, you're not in and you're in. And that's exactly how it's going to feel once, you know, more people start joining in. And it's, uh, you know, it's quite funny referencing uh, the existing, like, you know, non-blockchain but tech companies, um, how Facebook, how Amazon, how Google are fighting for new users. And ultimately, because they still need to keep growing and they've got everyone, you know, they could get in, you know, in US, in Europe, you know, in Asia. So they need to actually start growing. And then where's the, you know, next biggest kind of chunk of people? And that's ultimately where, um, you know, people are still not included into this like global um, ecosystem. Because once you are, again, there's a whole bunch of new things that you can do. Like, I don't know, very, you know, very, very dumb example that comes to my mind. You know, once you have a bank account and you can start paying for things, you know, remotely, how many new Netflix, you know, uh, like subscribers they can get. I mean, everybody watches something, you know, it could be in different languages, it could be different genres, but everybody's watching, you know, some like TV series or movies. So how many more people you can sell, you know, to that thing. And it's not just finance, but, you know, finance is going to be the bridge to like your like everyday life. And you can, it seems like you would include people in the consumerism, I guess, uh, of the capitalist mindset. And then I guess that makes me think about China. And I, I think about China a lot because I've, uh, I read this book called The 100-Year Marathon. I don't know if you've heard of it, uh, China's plan to, mm-hmm. yep. to yep. replace America as the dominant superpower, right? And, and so Mao said in 1949, like, that's what we're going to do in 100 years. It will take us 100 years. We're going to do it. And we're like 70 years in now, you know, or whatever. I didn't do the math. But um, so to me, that's an interesting idea where you have a communist country who's coming in and they don't necessarily want capitalism to be the, the main, you know, the main, they don't necessarily want capitalism to be the main, uh, the main value system that we live by, you know? And so I'm not suggesting that they're going to come, that we'll, we'll see boots on the ground anytime soon, but it, but it seems like they're making maneuvers, you know, uh, economic maneuvers say they're buying up precious minerals for uh for electric cars and maybe they'll corner the market there and maybe this whole i've heard conspiracy theories about this the the climate change being a chinese uh a chinese sort of red herring where they're trying to get people to eliminate coal or fossil fuels so that their economies can come up and so but it's interesting to me to see the balance of power in that and so if i take it back to blockchain for a second uh the china bandit kind of right kind of immediately it's use anyway and then they started working on it to create right and so have you seen anything come out of china in terms of interesting projects that um yes um so yes and no and um just referencing back on on your example which is um which is actually quite interesting topic you've uh, you know you've mentioned and here's the reason uh, the majority of blockchain projects are open source because that's the ground principle of the blockchain community. Um, but here's the thing. The majority of the projects that are being released um, so that, you know, English is an international language. So in order for everyone to understand your, you know, your work, uh, everybody tries to publish it in English. And here's the thing. Uh, the majority of the projects that are being released and developed uh, in China, they are published in Chinese language. Um, so the majority of tech people uh, from China, they speak English, like, you know, clearly well. Um, 
spectrum knowledge from all of the you know open source and published. Hang on, hang know, on. They speak again. Yeah, you spe They speak English cl clearly well. Is what okay. you said. Hang on. It's it's okay now. You're yeah. Okay. It's so, quite funny because I can see it from your face. Yeah, it's it's quite funny. I can see it from your face because I don't know for so on my side the connection like or on my side I mean like I can see it clearly and I can see it from your face that all right you know I lost him again so I know like now I'm you know trying to stop so um, awesome. <laughs> anyways, I'll, I'll keep doing that. I'll keep I'll keep, I'll try and make <laughs> do like a visual cue so that you can see and then uh, and then I'll and I'm, what I'm trying to do is remember exactly where you stopped so that we can resume. So you said they can okay. speak clearly well. Yes, um, so they can speak clearly well. Um, and, and here's, here's, here's the magic difference. Not everybody can speak Chinese, obviously. So the tech people or the tech projects in China, they can consume all of this like knowledge available to them in English, but the rest of the world is not being able to consume that knowledge, you know, that comes from the projects, uh, you know, in China. Uh, and that's, that's a very interesting, you know, like things that, um, and it's, and I think, um, maybe the, the difference or, you know, with the changes are not visually or clearly seen right now but you know in five like ten years um you know there's going to be like a, a huge difference um so quite interesting so in i would say up to year um 2018 sometime you know mid time the majority of projects being released in china they were mostly to do with gambling uh or you know any sort of like entertainment kind of projects uh would it be like sports betting would it be like anything like you know betting casinos uh but you know, after that, I would see a lot of more uh, institutional, like really, really ground, you know, based uh, researches or researches. Um, so most of them are actually to do with, uh, you know, the technology on, you know, signage. So, you know, how you sign the transactions, you know, in, in order to increase the, you know, the torrents, in order to increase the speed. Um, basically, there's, there's a lot of the good works there. Uh, in terms of the projects, um, I've, I've definitely, I've definitely seen a few and, and actually there's, um, there's one, um, it's, it's a stable coin project. Uh, it is, um, it is, um, it is developed, uh, by the Chinese founders. Uh, but it's quite interesting The you know, the founders, they've moved to, uh, San Francisco area. So the Bay area. So they moved from China to the U S um, to actually do the project. So I'm not sure whether, you know, it's, it's something that, that we've been talking about, uh, but. I would say there's, you know, there, there's there's definitely something you know happening out there. Um, again, referencing back Libra. So as soon as you know it was announced, we started also hearing the news that the Chinese government, you know, they said, you know, they said the requirement that they will have to release the new global currency, you know, before Facebook. Um, and again, there's no like clear or specific, um, I don't know, information about that, but the rumors are spreading really, really fast, right? Um, so. I don't know. Um, we'll see. We'll see what's going to be there. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of that's the only place it goes. Really, it's like it, we're in, like you said that it feels like the pace of technology is man, it's so fast, and and we we seem to be keeping up with it because we're the ones doing it. But at the same time, there's seems to be this big kind of I don't know what you call it, the fog of war or something, you know, where you just can't quite see too far ahead until you know the fire starts or the success happens, you know. But okay, so so but I wouldn't mind I wouldn't mind changing gears a little bit. You brought up AI, and it, it makes me think about automation. And I think about that in, in an interesting kind of way, or in a way that I read this book called Sapiens by Harari. I don't know if you've read, heard, mm -hmm. yep. Yep. and uh, and he he points out that there will be billions of useless humans once automations 
kicks in in a, in, in a very real way. You know, what are your thoughts around automation and, and what's going to happen with, with that coming up? Um, so it's, it's always been, it's always been a debate whether, uh, you know, first industrialization and then, uh, you know, automation, whether it's going to create new work, you know, um, spaces or whether there's going to, you know, uh, ruin the entire economies of, you know, countries. Um, so up to now, um, industrialization once again, and then automation, it's been only creating new, uh, you know, workspaces out there. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's the clear fact. Uh, but the thing that nobody's really, you know, mentioning on a wide scale is that the, the workspaces that then it's creating, uh, they're more um, sophisticated. So they're more like high, um, I'll say high level jobs. So what I mean, you know, very dumb example, but, you know, if you have an assembly line and then you build a robot that, you know, would actually work instead of human beings on that assembly line, uh, yes, now you don't need people that would actually work on the assembly line, but now you need engineers that are going to program the robot, you know, build the robot, and then maintain the robot. Um, here's here's the trick to it, right? Um, in order to like maintain or program the robot, work on the assembly line. You cut out again. In order to maintain the. Yeah, so in order to maintain the robot uh, or to program the robot, you obviously have to have those you know, specific skills, which are different uh, you know, from working on the assembly line. So ultimately, um, I'm pretty sure that uh, uh, you know, um, the automation will keep creating new jobs. It's just that the new jobs that it will create, um, they're going to be, uh, you know, they're going to become like more and more sophisticated. Um, so the question around whether there's going to be billions of um, you know useless people, um, that's that's a tough um, that's a tougher question. That's a tough uh, future that may be. And then uh, you know I would say that it will only happen if we fail at you know training or retraining or educating people. So it's it's it would become not more of a you know a tech problem, but more of an educational problem. It's interesting. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I look around and I see a lot of people who, a lot of people who just wouldn't, wouldn't be able to do that, you know, be able to do that kind of work. And, and that's, that's interesting to me. But then I go, well, you, you're talking about 2 billion people who were unbanked. Is that what that was the figure? Uh, yeah, yeah. So, and, and they're unbanked because they just kind of aren't savvy with what they what what's available to them technologically i would imagine right i mean or at least they can't not savvy not that they couldn't do it but maybe they're just not exposed to it or they can't have no visibility of it so i mean i guess i guess i don't know you know ultimately it's like i don't have the answer that's why i asked the question so but yeah um it, there's it, it's a very very complicated um question right there's many different like things to it um i, I would say that if um, here's here's the um, you know it's more of a consumerism again. The point is is that let's say once again I know how to use the computer. I don't know how to build it. Uh, well, why? Um, well, it's because the guys who you know first invented it, and then you know um, there's years and years of iteration of the development of this you know entire thing. They made it so simple that even I can use the computer. Um, so maybe you know um, the, the ultimate solution would be once again is to make things so easy that, you know, people would be able to join in and make that switch. Um, so I'd say there's, there's you know, we're, we're, we're all very, you know, very different and, and very alike um, in the same way. And this alikeness is obviously our natural, no. Yeah, um, uh, we're so all very, we're, we're, we're all very different and we're all, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, and we're all very different and we're all very um, same, um, you know, in, in a very strange way. So we're all lazy uh, by nature. And then what I mean by that is naturally uh, we tend and lean to the easy paths. So that's that's how, you know, that's how that's how the human being is designed. So in a sense, you know, there's a cost of switching uh, for every human being. So if there's a you know computer that I know how to use, and then there's a computer that I don't know how to use. So, you know, it's built and designed in a completely different way. Um, I would always use the one that, you know, that I know how, you know, how it works, uh, even though, you know, the next one could be much better or it could bring me more money or it could be, you know, easier to use. So I would say, you know, us from, you know, like people that are involved in the tech sphere, the ultimate job here is to make sure that things are so easy that everybody it's, you know, it becomes a no brainer, you know, or you just have to like switch it, you know, it's like, you remember like CDs. I mean, look, it feels like CDs were like, you know, were yesterday uh, because I have a laptop, you know, in my house, which has a CD ROM. But when I tried to think about, hold on, when it's not, when was the last time I used it? It was, when was the last time I saw it? Right. Or even um, thought about it. Yeah, exactly. And, 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 it, and it wasn't like a while ago, I think like, you know, even five years ago, it'd be something, you know, something, okay, something normal to be like, all right, you know, here's, here's the CD, you know, like, you know, it's so, the point here is, is that how do you make things, you know, easier? Um, there was one, there was one really, really good article um, I read about, um, and, and I still remember it. it was like a couple of years ago. And it was like, what is, what is the future going to be like? So the future of Ethereum. Um, and the answer was like, you know, it was right away given in the title, it's going to be like wallet-less. Um, so let's say, you know, the entire idea of wallets, you know, like this gibberish, you know, hashed numbers is very difficult to many people. Um, and, and I know many people, you know, struggle with just that thing, like something that let's say like you may be used to, um, and just one thing like, all right, so how do we make, let's say blockchain more adaptable or like, you know, easy for people? Well, let's make it walletless. Like, how do you do that? That's, that's, you know, that's another question, but if it is going to be like walletless, you know, many more people, like people, uh, You cut out. Any um, if it is going to be walletless, is what you said. Uh, many, last. Yeah, if it's going to be, yeah, um, if it's going to be walletless, there's you know many more or much more people are definitely going to join uh, to join in. For sure. I mean, if they have a, if it's a simple app on my phone and all I had to do was install it and then type in a bunch of credentials, then we're good to go, basically, right? I mean, I would imagine that's where we're headed. Uh, yep. Yep. You know, but I, but I guess we'll see, you know. Uh, okay, so let's, maybe we can wrap this up. Uh, it's interesting stuff. I like what you're doing in terms of uh, going out there into the world and trying to do good, you know, I mean, as opposed to just, just having a profit motive. Also, I'm sure the profit motive needs to be in there. It seems to be that's the system, you know, that we're, we're doing currently. So uh, do you have any closing thoughts or final thoughts? Um, I think that, um, you know, it may be completely different, let's say, spheres, but that's how Hacker Noon is also operating. Um, the entire idea of, you know, having the content available to everybody and being, you know, call it open source, right, and free, uh, and then, you know, generating the revenues from uh, the other streams. Um, that's actually the very, very similar and very, very alike concept. And that's why uh, the auditory, right, the core audience of Hacker Noon um, is, is so maybe, you know, not, uh, you know, tech-oriented, but I would say tech-savvy for sure, uh, and tech-interested, you know, even more sure than that. Um, and that's why you can see that this concept, right, of uh, fair business, you know, if you can call it this way, 
um, is is not just you know I would say completely or very very you know finance or tech oriented. It could be applied to any uh, you know any sphere of our lives, and that's why I think you know Hakanun is doing a great job. And um, I, I love you guys, and I love what you're doing. Right on, man. Very very cool. Uh, well, Anton, it was great talking to you. I appreciate it. It, it would be it would be great to have you on the on the show again at some point, maybe in the future. We'll check back in and see how Humanique is doing and all of that. And uh, I'm going to read a couple of your uh, articles, I think, on the top articles, so we can throw that up on the website as well and see if we can't get, you know, some some attention in this direction. Absolutely. Well, um, thanks a lot, Derek. Um, it was again, it was amazing. I really, really loved our conversation. Um, I love how it wasn't scripted. It was like all natural. Um, I've also mentioned that they're very, very, uh, you know, patient and very, very, I would say good host. Uh, and, and, you know, I mean, I, I, to be honest, if I would be, you know, talking to myself, I wouldn't be able to help me that much because I wouldn't be able even to remember, you know, like you get the concept, you get the thoughts like, okay, I know what this guy is talking about, but you won't be able to say, all right, you've actually left off here. Um, you know, and, and that's, that's amazing. So I'm not sure if that's oh. experience or like, you know, who you are, but, uh, you know, thanks for that. So that was, sorry about that was me. That. that was me winging it. <laughs> <laughs> well, once so. again, and really, um, you know, it's a pleasure finally seeing you. Uh, you know, I know our last call was even weirder, uh, for me being at the airport, uh, but you know, it's all good. That was fun. I enjoyed it. Oh, where can people reach you? Okay. Um, so like email or I can, I can also like, um, send you like my telegram or anything, basically any channel that works. That's I mean by the audience, like, so like, is there a Twitter that you, you know what I mean? Or tw- oh. uh, website, that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yes, Twitter, I would say that's, that's the major thing, but I tend to actually read more than I write. Um, it's, I don't know, sometimes I do get this inspiration, like on, you know, writing stuff. So not really, there's, there's a, there's a website, um, so it's like mosgavoy.me. Um, but, you know, I kind of use it more just to, like, um, again, link people to, right, if you want to talk, let's schedule a call there so that, you know, it's kind of becomes easier. But so I'm not really like, you know, looking for self-promotion or anything. Um, so the same thing is like with this conversation. So somebody would find it useful, right? Somebody would say, ah, I don't know, it's just like, you know, bullshit, whatever. So I'm very open to like, you know, any, any sort of like comments out there, but, uh, it's, you know, it's totally up to you. So whatever works best for, for you guys, whatever you believe, you know, would make sense for, you know, people who read it, um, you know, like anything there. So for me, it was just like an option. All right. You know, cool. You know, to have hacker noon, um, because as I mentioned, that's something like I really, really like, um, and support. And that's, that was, you know, quite funny because when you guys first announced your, um, like fundraising round, like on medium uh i was i wasn't like it wasn't really really long that i knew the concept i knew uh like david right like what was going on there but you know jumped in joined that um so it's you know it's pretty cool so for me it's just like being part of this community that's Mm -hmm. that's you know that's what it feels to me yeah yeah we're glad to have you you know you it feels like you bring some something something good to the to the ecosphere so you there i hope so (laughs) (laughs) All right. Cool. Um, All right. Yes. Um, thank you very much. Um, thanks a lot and have a good day. Take care. You do the same. Have a great weekend. Yep. You too. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.